we are about to present a really impactful discussion about women in prison and the incredible challenges they face in prison and also on their re-entry. The reason why we're doing this is because our film Angel Lady features a woman who has just been released from prison. And the more I, it's so interesting because you write a script and then you keep get to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the reality mm-hmm. of what you created. We are going to talk specifically about what happens with women prisoners. That figure uh, has jumped. Um, and Nancy's going to give us the specific figures, but I believe it's almost 700%. Yeah. Yeah, they've, right. um, yeah. since the new drug laws came into effect, it jumped by even actually 800%, I believe. Nancy Edwards Johnson, who comes from my hometown of Delaware, Ohio, <laughs> whose father taught at the same <laughs> university as my father, um, Nancy Edwards Johnson has spent over 20 years as a prison psychologist. And now she's in a private practice. She has previous to being in working in the prison system, she was working in the foster care system. So her her experience is so important to our film, to getting it right, but it's also so important if you care. Because this population is Nancy, what are you calling it? Well, it's in it's Invisible. It's it's facing alarming invisibility and a lack of resources is what I would say about this population. And when they come out of the prison system, they are coming out worse than they went when they went in. There's no reentry program to speak of that's viable. And so, um, and with looking at this population, um, you've got a group of women who, for the most part, are they're poor, they're addicted to drugs. They have low self-esteem and they're coming into a system where they're dehumanized and become numbers. So, um, and most of them, the vast majority have had extensive childhood abuse that involves either, well, probably most of them have all of the above, emotional, sexual, physical, and neglect. And they're coming into a system that uh, for the most part is where the structural dynamics mirror childhood abuse. So they're getting, there's no privacy, there's no dignity, there's a use of confinement, there's harassment um, that is probably best represented, and uh, there's regular room searches. So the few possessions that they have, a group of men in black come in, dump their, flip their mattresses, dump all their things on the floor to look if there's anything that they shouldn't have. There's no respect at all. So it's a very dehumanizing environment for the most part that they're going into. And because what you said, there's been such an explosion in this population, there are some programs like there's spiritually based programs, there's some educational programs, there's substance abuse programs, but many of the women can't access those because the it's there, it's just an overwhelmed system on um, during the time that I was there, the population doubled over that 20 years they put up four different dorms, each housing 250 women per dorm. There's no privacy. They're just kind of stacked together. And the other problem is not the problem, but they also are serving shorter sentences for um, drug abuse. And so they're not able to access the program. So 
95% of the women in, that are coming into prison are addicted to some substance and, and or alcohol. And so they, they need treatment, obviously. They're uneducated, like less than um, about 30% of them have finished high school. So they don't have skills to go back. And now they've got a number when they leave prison. So it's a really, um, and, and there's no support program other than maybe a parole officer. And they're mandated often to go back into the same counties, the same um, you know, system where there's no support, um, where they're going back into maybe the same abusive relationship that they were in prior to coming in. Most of the they lack any kind of consistent supportive relationships for the most part on the outside. That must have been so discouraging. It's hard. Yeah, it was, I think, but what's amazing to me and what I really learned is um, getting to know them as I got to know them through doing therapy, how much strength they have to survive and the compassion that they had, despite all that had happened in their lives. Um, you really did see a lot of compassion for their peers. So they are not um, what they're painted to be so often in the movies. And, and so I, yeah, I, it's amazing um, the, the strength and the willpower that so many of them had. Nancy, you are, um, you're a horsewoman. You, <laughs> yeah, You've been writing all your life, <laughs> and you—how did you happen onto the program in Ocala? Ocala um, is uh, has a horse and equine horse program in the prison for women. There are eight programs. Um, that's the only women's pro prison program that um, has an equine program, but there are eight other um, prisons that also have these programs, and. I, when you, if anybody watches that, you just have to Google Ocala Women's Prison Equine Program. It is really, really moving. Um, Almost all the people who work on the horse farms are women. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. When I, they said, I've heard the statistic, don't quote me on it, but there were like 16,000 horse farms in Ohio. I went to many, when I got a horse, I was looking for a place for her and I don't think there were men who were running any of those barns. It was all women. So I think women are really drawn to horses. And of course, for the women who've been through what the women in prison have been through with, you know, being victims and horses are prey animals. I think there's just that kind of inherent connection. Um, yeah. So, and I think, you know, having that, being able to be in nature and with the horses is a great way to come back into society. Um, you see these women going out to, into nature and working with horses. So they're leaving that, that system where they're a number and these horses who are greeting them, you know, and they, horses are wonderful at mirroring your own feelings. So many of these women who've been abused are coming in and being able to nurture and have a sense of purpose for these horses that are beat up off the racetrack often, and they're learning skills um, to the, that they can go and be barn managers or learning skills, being becoming more self-confident, finding a purpose in their life, and being able to manage this huge animal 
and help it to recover and um, to be adopted into a forever home. Uh, That's is just an amazing program. So I really wanted to recreate that and have that happen during the time that I was at um, the Ohio Reformatory. We came close, but unfortunately it didn't come through, but I'm still hopeful. Well, we, well, what we're talking about now is being able to do something on reentry at when people are released. Right. And, yeah. I, and so that is something I think that, um, yeah, I'd love for it to come into the prison system, but also I'm looking at the possibility. Um, the woman who is my own horse trainer has her own horse farm and she's very interested and would love to um, host at her horse farm um, a reentry program. So you know, we've got the place to do it. Somebody who's interested. So I'm hoping, yeah, hoping to make that work. Well, I feel, I feel really blessed that you and I saw each other at the reunion and that we could, I do too. (laughs) We could talk about this. I know. know. I'm so, I'm so grateful that we have a, this track that we can draw people to just these possibilities. I am really, yes, I agree. has devised the most incredible program called No Judgment, period, just love. So Sharon, take it away. Tell me about your inspiration. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for being here. This is a valuable, important topic about helping women re-enter society. And No Judgment, Just Love is a foundation for that. It started here in Arizona with me when I first began a life and family coach business. And uh, people told me I had to have a descriptor. And those four words came in, no judgment, just love. Two complete sentences. And they are ideals. Of course we judge all the time. So I'm not asking you to not be human. What I'm saying is be human, judge, judge away, but take a pause. My philosophy is, is that we all to some degree are imprisoned in our minds. We judge ourselves harshly, even if we're not in the physical prison. So just quadruple that or however many times to the women that are in prison, how much they are judging themselves. And we give what we have to each other and to our children. So if the mother's 85% of the 80% are single and raising a family and they have never experienced unconditional love, as Nancy said, they have never experienced that they are valuable, that they matter. How do you think they can raise their children to know those things? And that to me is the connector to our society. If we do not help these women, we do not help our society on and on and on. And so my goal is to bring the message of self-care and cultivate your own love for yourself into the prisons, first of all, because you have a captive audience, no pun intended. And women are parched for someone to see them as a whole human being with just this thing that happened to them. And I am gonna just segue into the coloring book um, 
Yeah, please do, please do. Because that kind of connects. I've yeah. written a coloring book. It's a coloring journal book for No Judgment, Just Love. And it's written in the style of Dr. Zeus. So it's for kids of all ages. And my goal, my prayer is to have someone support these books by purchasing them in bulk, yeah. sending them to the prisons and to the families of the mothers there. What these books do is allow each person who reads them to have a quiet time to rebuild their self-esteem, to understand how judgment is a fraction and it breaks us, it really does. And so when the children get to read in color and the parent gets to read in color independently, now when they come together to meet each other, they have something very different to talk about than the event that I'm in prison. You have worked with Sue Ellen when, in the past. Can you tell us about her programs and how we can support those programs through you? Yes, Sue Ellen was a fireball and had red hair and unfortunately <laughs> passed away last year. And I got to see her about a week before she did. And she was really a fireball. She was kind. She was persistent to a fault sometimes of educating people about prison and women in particular in prison. She would say to me, you know, coming out of prison is being like shot out of a cannon into a brick wall. Oh, because, mm, wow. <laughs> because you don't have any resources and it's so fast and you just hit a wall and people in our society don't really have a good idea of what it's like to be in prison. And if you read her book, she had cancer in prison. She had to have the operation in prison. As Nancy said, there's no privacy. She couldn't get anyone to touch her. She was in shackles the whole time. And the compassion of her cellmates, they took their very prized possession of Kotex tampon pads and made her a pillow. And talk about creativity, they made fringe on it. So it not only would be comforting for her, but pretty. So I invite everyone to really look at how you assume and judge people that are in prison. She advocated for a program, a simulation called Reinventing Reentry. And she gathered people in Harvard and colleges and communities. I attended it. And it is about a two or three hour event where you get to exist as if you were a prisoner and how difficult it is to come back into society just to exist. So I would really, as we get this conversation going, love to have that resource reignited because it's sort of set silent while she's not been here. But I, Sue Ellen, I'm on your team, babe. We are going to have a book club. And on April 1st, we are going to have a discussion, more discussion about Sue Ellen's book. what it's been like for you to hear about these conditions and about what goes on. As I had talked to you about, I really was shocked at the 80% that, that women have children and that they are the main 
breadwinners of their family. I was shocked at the, the way that we treat them as they come back into society. I was really surprised that there is no actual plan of helping them to re-enter especially with the situation of having such low self-esteem and, and not being able to, while they're in, at least while they were in prison, there should at least be programs that are giving them some skills or helping them to be able to, you know, be able to enter back into society with a new mindset with a, a have and we we need to have a like a new narrative as the society as we come together as a society we need to really see these invisible beautiful beings that we have just kind of set aside and i was just blown away by how we don't have a program and that was why I was so passionate about wanting to join in, in finding out ways that I could be some kind of service, especially for the children, because I was really touched by what Sharon's idea was to have those coloring books available for each of the, the parent and the child to be able to have a way that they can truly, truly open those lines of communication so that when they enter back into each other's lives, they could enjoy the, the fun of coloring and saying, you know, I colored this page and this, is, this was what I wrote about this page and the prompts that come with it to be able to, you know, express themselves. I think that Sharon has done an incredible job with these beautiful books. I have given yeah. them to many schools and I've found that there are so many people who want to be in that place of no judgment and just love that they're just, they're just trying to drink it up as much as they possibly can. It opens those opportunities for a deeper and deeper relationship. And so I think that we have to start to see how we can bring these programs to these beautiful beings that we have co-created an invisible society. I just, it, it breaks my heart when I think that I was not aware of it. I, I want to be more aware. I want to be, and I hope everyone who's watching this show is, is going to just search their heart and say, how can I be in some kind of way helpful in bringing awareness to this invisible society? Really put yourself in that person's shoes. Really think about your own life and some of the choices that you made that you could have ended up in that situation also. And some of the choices that we've all made and some of the dysfunctions that we've all overcome. And let's just have more empathy for them as, as people who have had some struggles, but they're still beautiful beings of love and light, just having some human challenges. 
and that we need to see that light and that love in them so that they can see it for themselves at some point. But that's what I would just say. Let's hold the light, hold the light for this invisible society, and let's bring some visibility into these dark places together. Beautiful. Thank you.